All right, welcome to the tip-off of the Limeland Hoops and History Podcast. My name is Matt Childers. I'm your host. Looking forward to being with you with a series of interviews that we're going to be interviewing coaches and players and fans of Limeland Hoops and History. It's a rich history, and I'm pleased to have as my first guest tonight, it's Coach Chris Adams from UNOH, but he coached at Elida and he coached in Springfield for many years before this position that he has now as the athletic director here at UNOH. Coach, welcome. Welcome, Matt. I'm very excited about doing this, and I'm always elated to be anywhere possibly in in the realm of of the talk of the history of Northwest Ohio basketball, because it's been such an important part of my life, but but, but I've learned so much about the history prior to getting up here, and once I'm here, and then being part of it. It's just fun, and I'm excited about doing this podcast. Yeah, we're going to have a great evening, and uh, sit back and uh, open up your favorite beverage, folks, and enjoy Lima Land Hoops and History with Matt Childers and Coach Chris Adams. Coach, you came to Lima in the fall of 1985. Describe that process of getting here to Lima. Well, Matt, it's really, it's really interesting because uh, at the time I had two job offers coming from Springfield Catholic. I was very fortunate enough to have a, a four-year career at Springfield Catholic. I got that job when I was 22 years old. I had just graduated from Wittenberg University in 1981 and was lucky enough to get the head job as, at a, as 22 years old. And then the kids really bought into what we did and we had, we had some success there, you know, and uh, that, I was really lucky and fortunate to have that opportunity. But that, that opportunity led to the Elida situation. And uh, just a quick little abbreviation on that. That, that spring of 1985, uh, it, I, had, I was able to get to the finals of two jobs and it was Lexington and Elida were my choices in 1985, and both got offered. And uh, and uh, to be honest with you, uh, I, I was leaning towards Elida, and it's a silly reason for to be an educated man and pick a job because of the gym. Mm. <laughs> you know, I didn't know a lot about Lima. I did not know a lot about Northwest Ohio basketball. Uh, I, I had tremendous uh, respect for a guy named Bob Arnson who was up here. I went to his clinics as a young man and really put him on a pedestal because I really liked him. And so what happened was uh, I, I started making some phone calls and I called Keith Knopf, who was the head coach, successful head coach at Van Work back in that day. And he said, Chris, I don't know. The kid, the kid that's a baseball, football school. I'm not sure you want to take that basketball job you'd have to make some uh, some tremendous changes for that to go work for you i called ron Neekamp. you know he said chris some of the same stuff that that, that um keith Knopf did chris i don't know there it, it's rough you know it, it, you'd have a lot of work to do uh the facility's nice of course but other than that i don't know if i would do it or not my third phone call was to bob arnson and I'm ready for Bob Arnson, who I have, like I mentioned, I, I put him on a pedestal. Adolfo St. John. Adolfo St. John, head coach, head coach legend, legendary head coach. And he said, Chris, I want to tell you what, I will never, ever leave Delphi St. John. However, if I was going to move and take a public job, I would probably look at the Elida job if it was offered to me because wow. I think they have athletes. I think they have people that can win. They just got, need to be taught how to win and what to do in the game of basketball. So all that being said, Matt, you know, I, I called my wife and I, and I said, listen, they've offered me the job um, for the second interview. And, and I said, I, 
I've talked to Coach Arnzen. He said he said I should gamble, maybe try this thing. I think I'm going to do it. And she had not seen the school or anything like that. So we sort of came up here as a family with a one-year-old son, Drew, and uh, and, and we approached Lima. And and uh, it was uh, I don't know. I haven't said I I I wouldn't have changed one thing mm. at that time and that decision. Yeah, 35 years later, here you are. <laughs> uh, as uh, you know, just had an incredibly successful run at Elida uh, with uh, the Elida Bulldogs and your basketball team. Uh, describe the early years at Elida. The early years were tough, Matt, only because um, the, the coaches who I just mentioned previously were accurate in the fact that a lot of work had to be done. It, you know, it, and this is such a, it wasn't a big popular term back then. It's a very popular term now when you talk about whether in the business world, in the, in the sports world, the, the culture, you know, that's such a, and, and the word passion and culture and stuff. It's so, it's so relevant in today's world every day. Uh, just daily news, you can hear those two words all the time. Sure. Back then it wasn't. And uh, I, I was concerned with the culture when I got there because the kids had no idea how to win a basketball game or really what to do. But the first year, I was lucky. I had athletes that, that weren't, I would say, weren't great basketball players. Jimmy Holler was a good player uh, who had played for a couple different people, and so he, he wasn't used to a set system. But uh, he was a very good player, and he enabled us to uh, maybe distort some defenses at that first year. And we, we, but the other kids really bought in. The community bought brought in. We we won the first three games in a row, and uh, you know it, that started it right there. Then by 1988, I think we were right in the hunt for the lead, the WBL championship. So it all happened quick. But you don't make those kind of changes, Matt Childers, without talented people and, and, and getting those talented people to, to win over to do what we wanted to do at the time. We were huge. We were 6'10", 6'7", 6'6". Chad Jostle being one of the best players there in 1988. We went to the regionals that year and uh, you know we were just huge, mixed up our zone and man and caused people problems and then it was it, then we were able to take off from there pretty much. Yeah so those were some of the early years and some of your uh, thoughts uh, moving forward uh, you came into a conference that's called the WBL, the Western Buckeye League. Uh, what did you know about the Western Buckeye League? And then how did it shape up from what you knew uh, or didn't know to what it became? Well, I, I was naive. I, I didn't know. Springfield Catholic was at that time, we were a small class A school because they hadn't flipped mm. it yet to divisions. And, and, and so at the time, you know, I did not, wasn't aware of the big school leagues much. I knew, I knew the Southwest Ohio and Western Ohio because we were, the Three Rivers Conference included Versailles and I was playing Fort Laramie in the tournament. So I, we got up here a little bit, but not near far north. Mm. It is up around where the Mac schools, uh, uh, even up to Delphus or anything like that. We never played up here. So I was I was naive about that, but right off the bat we ran into uh, a loaded Van Wert program at the time. Keith Knopf's had it going. A kid named Pat Jackson who played linebacker for Bowling Green in football, but they had a bunch of good athletes, and that that moved right into Joey Gardner and Quincy Cloud, and they went to Columbus in the early, late '80s, early '90s, yeah. and it, it ended up being maybe our first rivalry combined with, you know. The, the, all of a sudden, after beating LCC for four years, and Coach Segerson, who I put on a pedestal right there with Bob Arnson, if you want to know the truth, uh, all of a sudden they started getting their gander up a little bit by going, we're going to play these guys. So that game became uh, a, a very big rivalry. And then also always always with the, always with the Van Wert group was Ottawa-Glandorf, mm -hmm. which is just a, a DNA basketball mecca. In my, I, th I think it's one of the most, the I would say the, the, the job that, 
in our area, it has to be one of the top three all-time jobs ever for the past 25, 30 years, at least since I've been yeah. here. But I think it was good before I got here. But anyway, going, all that being said, those were the early 80s. And, and, and then the, as we got in the 90s, I had a really nice team at Elida, uh, probably one of the better teams all time there in 90 and 91. Uh, Josh Search was a dunker, uh, the kind of dunker that sold tickets, you know, and he was before Greg Simpson. So the, the community sort of got used to Josh and all of a sudden Greg Simpson from Lima Senior the great player came in but we were able to win a lot of games in 90 and 91 and that sort of set the tone at shifting Elida basketball into the future and then we had that huge decade and a half where, where I thought we just had good talent good people uh, you know the Matt Metzgers of the world uh, weren't just successful basketball players but they were successful they're going to be successful people and their families were all good and that's what you that's what we were able to do to make it win at Elida and make it make it be positive yeah okay so let's uh, let, let's let's step back a little bit because we talked about your early years and then kind of then the next frame, which was, hey, who are you competing against? Give me an idea of your coaching staff as you first started off and how that evolved. Well, I, first of all, I was desperate. I didn't have uh, – at Elite at that time, we only had a paid freshman JV and, and a head coach position where everybody else at the bigger school level had a varsity assistant, but we didn't have that. Mm -hmm. So I went to the principal, and I fought, and I clawed, and I got my eighth-grade coach, who's Steve Dacken, who's had a great career as, as superintendent at Reynoldsburg. He's retired now, but was my first – non-paid varsity assistant but he was paid as the eighth grade coach but he was just married and had the ability to do both uh, he taught history eighth grade Elida, but it was, he was on staff and he had a lot of basketball knowledge behind him and then mark thompson who was our longtime successful baseball coach mm. at Elida, was my jv coach and he had been the previous jv coach and he came to me and said hey I'll, I'll keep doing it if you want me and uh and then then we had ken sims who was on staff early who i did not know uh, uh was part of our staff and uh but, you know, the, the, the one thing that Elida, after that group, that, 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 that cycled out there a little bit because everybody went their way. But from 90 all the way on, once I could get Dan Mathias, Tom Sarno, which are, are longtime Elida names as the 7th and 8th grade coach, respectively, our staff stayed solid all the way up through 2005, right up through there. And I think that's led to a lot of our success as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So early years, you came in in the fall of 85, which meant your first graduating class was 86. Fast forward to 1989 and the old holiday tournament that took place between Lima Central Catholic, Lima Senior, and Lima Senior was really the main host because they would host two games as it used to rotate between Lima Central Catholic, Lima Senior, and that was the same for Bath and then Shawnee. Uh, that went away in 1986. And the last year of that was December of 1985. You then had the idea for what is now known as the Tip-Off Classic that takes place the first weekend, uh, either late, you know, late, late weekend in uh, November or early weekend in December. What was your, what was your, uh, you know, your baptism for all of that? Well, well, first of all, I would tell you, and and I know you were a major part of this during your career at LCC, and as you talk to people your age who were here and and and, and prevalent basketball uh, players and coaches. They said when I got here, you got to go to that holiday tournament, and I did. My son was one, and my wife wanted him out of the house anytime we could go with dad. Yeah. And we went to all the LCC Tuesday night games at the old Lima Senior Gym. Right. And then during that whole holiday period, you know, I was living down by the Pony Keg for any of the listeners in Lima. That's it's down on the, down by Shawnee, and uh, it was an easy ride for me to jump in the car after teaching, and and and, and run over and, and and watch these these games at Lima Senior. And I, I would watch a lot of home games at Lima Senior, but also. Uh, I took in that holiday tournament for the first time. 
And the, the, it was the second thing. The other thing that amazed me was the, the crowd at the LCC Delta St. John Sunday games. We were part of that at that time, too. And those were big-time games back then. They still are, but they, but they, they were really big back then. And then I went to the, tip, or to the, uh, the, the uh, Holiday Classic at Lima Senior. And they even pulled out the top, top bleachers up there in the corner right. behind the baskets. It was so packed. And I thought to myself, this is awesome. This is just utterly yeah. awesome. And the games that we went to were entertaining. The crowd got into it. The student bodies got into it, painted their faces. Mm. I thought, this is this is really good. It solidified also, just so you know as a listener, my decision to come to Lima it was really coming to fruition because these people really like basketball, and right. so did I. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, therefore, once that once that went defunct in 1989, Matt, that was just an opportunity of a lifetime to put two and two of it because we had the facility. Bob Segerson knew we had the facility. Jeff Heaston knew we had the facility, and and Mark Shine was just getting into the bath job at that time, and. We sort of all just sort of got together. It started with Segerson and I. Then we, we had to sell Heaston. Heaston was involved with this decision. Like He was at Shawnee. He at was the at time. Shawnee at the time. And, and he, Jeff, we, we were all like, let's do this thing at Elida. And we'll have Bath come in. And Lima Senior was yeah. out because they were going in a different direction at that time. Right. Oh, they were playing a lot of big school te- teams and that kind of thing. And, you know, they had Greg Simpson on deck. Actually, from their point of view, I understand maybe some of the direction they were going. Mm-hmm. How, you know, however, it was just a sad thing to lose that tournament as a Lima media person or, or the, and so luckily yeah, all, everything came right together that yeah. the tip off took off uh, Elida was talented LCC was good Shawnee had some competitive teams through, through those early years and, and we were able to take, take that thing and then we timed it on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving when everybody came home for, for break. all the college kids would come out watch this thing and all of a sudden it just kept growing and growing so by 92 then you have Hutchins coming in here with LCC and then and, and, and our, our success that he lighted in 9091 with the tournament it was just it was just going, it, was, it was an avalanche it was going to go and I was thrilled to death to be part of it yeah uh, an incredible uh, idea and vision to have that because uh, we're now in the 31st year of the holiday tournament coming up uh, this year and so uh, it's been a, a great run and the crowds and the ability for people to be able to play in that and experience that as players and then as fans it really does it encompasses all of the good things that are about Lima Land hoops uh, and in, Matt, in, in history. One thing else about that tournament that helped us promote that was Elida was sort of like the guinea pig for WTLW Channel 44 to start that, yeah. that, that, that promoting high school basketball. So they would do one of our, they'd bring their equipment because it was just on Beatty Road. Yeah. One very far for them to put it on a truck and bring it over there. Right. And they did some of the first broadcasts for some of our home games. And they, then once we got that tournament going, they jumped on board. And that's what really helped the Which, snowball. And also, I'm not downplaying any of the local media. The newspaper and, t- and Vicoza was then big time with, with WLIO uh, doing the sports cast that all played to, to and forth but that was the early onset of wtlw and 44 doing high school games and then they branched off from there and started taking off yeah. and finding a bunch of other good big games as we went into the 90s and so everything just came to, to, yeah. to together for that whole thing yeah all right rapid fire on this uh tip off memories okay. for you okay during your tenure oh geez 
couple great buzzer shot wins um, um, in, in, the, in the early 2000s. Against, one was against LCC. Uh, fortunate enough to have my son play in his first game and get six threes against Shawnee in the very first tip-off game. He was a, he was a nervous wreck. I, he was pacing up and down the hallway before I took him out to and that game. he was game. a freshman. He was a freshman. Yeah. And that, that, that would be one. But there, there were so many great plays and great players in that tournament. Us trying to trying to play a junk defense to stop Jamar Butler in those years. Uh, he was such a domineering player. And, and then, and then uh, playing a 1-3 and a chaser against Aaron Hutchins just to try to neutralize his tremendous talent. And, from LCC. And from LCC, yeah. great. You know, played at Marquette all those years. So it was – and then the nervousness of every year – all the coaches in the state of Ohio are nervous about their first game. But how would you like your first game to be in front of like 2,500 people packed yeah. with the student bodies chanting at you, you know, different things from the year past, that kind of thing. It was a, a great experience, something I never, ever would trade for anything, but something I'll never, ever forget. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. All right, so let's segue into talking about some of those coaches uh, that have been legendary around this area, and there's been many. Uh, talk about the Hall of Famer, Bob Barnes, and who you referenced earlier. Bob, when I was 22, I heard him speak at several different clinics involving the State of Ohio Coaches Association. And he's one of those guys that, that just jumped out at you. First of all, I thought he was one of the most grounded individuals I'd ever seen, I ever heard of, not just with his basketball knowledge and his acumen with basketball and what he did. He was a guy that, that he was an educator that was a great basketball coach. He wasn't just a great basketball coach. So I used him as a sounding board when I got up here, finally, when I'm seven miles down the road at Elida. You know, it's things like, Coach Arnson, what's your thoughts about bringing a talented freshman up and playing him on JV? Uh, and what, what, what about moving in mid-year, a JV player who's maybe averaging 15, 20 points a game? Should you bring him up on varsity or leave him there and let the JV team win? But, you know, the parents could get upset or, or the seniors on your varsity team could get upset. But by gosh, we're here to try to win games. What, what, what did you do back in the 60s and 70s? And he would go on and lament and on and on. This is what I did in 64, in 66. Yeah. And I just didn't, you know, I was like a sponge back then. Yeah. And, and I listened to him, what he said. I didn't always agree with it and do it, but I, I respected him utmost that way. But then also, the way he conducted himself, not only as a representative of Northwest Ohio basketball and one of their legendary great coaches. But once you would meet him in the Columbus area, the people and the reverence that he drew around him in, in, in down at, down at uh, St. John's at the mm. arena at the state tournament, yeah. he, he's, he's just, he's just a, a unique man that, that is, is, is just will never be forgotten and is one of those guys that is one of the greatest of the great. You know, he was going to be good no matter what he did. Yeah. And he's driven his family's outstanding, you know, great legend, uh, you know, has players. Jimmy is, was a very good player for him, you know, and, and has a sound basketball career following up with that. Jeannie, his daughter. I could go on and on about that family because they're all, they're all really successful people and that says a lot to him and Alice and what they did in Delphus. Yeah, yeah. He was kind of our Jimmy Stewart. You yeah, know, yes. He was just this guy that was the ultimate gentleman. I used to go to his basketball camps <laughs> uh, and uh, he was always so encouraging to everyone. Uh, but he must have had that spirit of competitiveness in him because you don't grow a program like he did and build a program at Delphi St. John's uh, without doing that. Interestingly enough, uh, I believe, and, and, and uh, I, th I think this is correct, that uh, Monsignor Herr hired both Bob Arnson and Bob Sagerson. Well, that's pretty. 
pretty good hires. Yeah, good, good hires. <laughs> Probably right, right around 1,400 yeah. wins. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, so speaking of uh, speaking of Coach Sagerson, uh, let's talk about him next uh, as as a competitor and as as a as a program that you had to go up against in the tip off classic and then you played every year each year in the regular season um you weren't always the best of friends uh you've now become great friends yes. but i will say uh that had to be very competitive and uh it was a great measuring stick for both of you to be able to play against each other well being the elida coach you know I, that that rivalry was something the lcc was able to dominate there for a lot, lot of years and what happened was, and, and we went back when we first started this podcast, talking about the culture. You know, the, some of the culture was we had. If you're going to win and be a basketball program, you had to beat Lima Central Catholic, and you had to beat Lima Senior. I mean, yeah. you're, if you're going to go put a footprint, footprint into the snow of a winter time in Northwest Ohio, you better you better you know bring it on a little bit. Yeah. And so Bob Sagerson, because of his prowess at teams with defense, uh, I watched him on Tuesday night play non-league. This was before our games and that kind of thing. I just would go to every game and watch him and I was amazed at how hard he got those kids to play and how tenacious they were and he had good players and he, he did a great job of having his players that could score get the opportunity to score and and he he really was one of those guys I always thought was a coach whose success was building chemistry within a team and then he had the way of the formula of the chemicals for the chemistry always always bled right to the surface on tournament time, because mm. I felt LCC was one of the toughest tournament outs. Yeah, luckily, we were a couple uh, divisions in front of them and never had a run in them. But we sure had, what we tried to do was play them in the tip off finals, which happened a lot. And then I tried to play them on the Tuesday before the tournament would start because that'd be a huge game at either El Elida or down at Lima Senior in the old yeah. days, uh, LCC, there my last year coaching in, in, in 06. But, uh, you know, that was a great prelim to the tournament for both of us because both it was set the stage for what you were going to have to do the, the next week in the tournament. So, but the, the, the funny, you know, the joke is Bob and I were not sending each other Christmas cards <laughs> for the first 21 years. It was a war, you know, we, we sort of tolerated each other. I love yeah. the guy now. But then, you know, once I re left Elida and, and then and Bob retired in 2010, the minute he retired, I asked, I said, you got to help Mike Mullen, who I think has done a great job promoting uh, Northwest Ohio basketball and, and his just a, a a legend in our in our broadcasting uh, arena here in Lima. Uh, I, I got, once we got him to do the games to become the voice of the racers. I thought Segerson and he would be a great combo to do the UNOH basketball games and. Through that relationship there of him coming into my office with the door closed going, hey, what the heck are you going to do tonight against the number one ranked team in the nation? Yeah. And I'd say, we better figure out how to play defense. And we'd have these tongue-in-cheek conversations, and that grew the friendship. And then, you know, we would talk a bit of politics, and we agreed on a lot of politic things, political things. And so then and now it just goes to, like, if we can call each other and go, hey, you want to go out and get something to drink, get a pizza? He goes, I'm in. Let's go talk. And so it's, it's really been good to see how that, that yeah. the, first, the first 20 years, Matt, how rough and tough it was yeah. and then the last 15 here have been great that's awesome yeah that and that's a that's just a testament to who you both are uh that's great uh talk about your uh van wert coaches especially uh you mentioned uh, previously and then uh, of course uh coach dave yeah. fraley uh, keith Knopf's was 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 uh just a a sort of like a um one of the most demanding high school coaches on his kids. They they were a machine offensively. They had a set a set mo motion of an offense. This is why everybody else was doing passing games back in the mid '80s, late '80s. He was running this this set offense, and and, and I, I could diagram from me right now, Matt. If you want me to get me a 
my pen out and start yeah. doing some X's and O's. But, you know, he was on those kids and he had talent and they ran it. They were very tough man-to-man team and they were very good offensively. And, and, and right away, you know, that set the tone for tremendous games that have WBL implications. And we played them non-league at the time in the 90s, eight ladies and 90s as well. Uh, and, and so just sell out crowds for the JV games in, in those games. And then Dave Fredlick, who I did not really know that well, came from Colonel Crawford. I knew of him. Uh, uh, and, and, and he took over. He was a van work guy that took over that job. And then he just continued the, the 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 angst of the rivalry. You know, he was yeah. competitive. You know, uh, you know, w- w- would rally to the officials and, and complain his cause. And he was a big man, and I was this little guy flitting around the sideline. So it was almost a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of a game. Yeah. You know, depending on how you could describe. Uh, maybe I should say more Mutton Jeff. You know, like that. And but yeah. he 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 and I have great respect for each other. Our games were really very really good through that era. And the Van Wordy Lida thing got to be just a lot like the LCC Elida thing where it's like, you know, you just couldn't take one breath of uh, uh, and breathe easy for any time during those games of those quarters. That, that's well said. Uh, all right, so uh, lastly, just your relationship from a coaching standpoint with the, uh, the Ottawa Glandorf Titans uh, where they had uh, a couple of coaches in your tenure, Dave Sweet being one of them, the main one, and then I don't know if you coached against Josh Leslie. He would have been the next. I coached against Josh, Josh Leslie when he was at St. Mary's a lot more yeah. before he got the OG job. I was on the tail end there. The, the rivalry, that what would happen in, in the Diagon WBL was it, it, it would either come between Van Wert, OG, and Elida through a lot, of, a lot of the 90s there, and it seems like we would seesaw back and forth with Ottawa. We could never win up there. We had a disastrous occurrences happening if you're an Elida fan or person yeah. or coach uh, in the Elida OG series. But it got to be a very heated rivalry as well. And uh, then we would have to play them in the, in the di- we'd get to the district finals at Bowling Green and they would have our number all the way through the 90s. I think we got, we got around them twice where we didn't have to play them and we were able to get to the regionals during that run. But uh, Dave Sweet did a great job of, of letting his kids have freedom and play, but organized, discipline. He had good players and uh, his good players played hard for him. And I, that's always, Matt, that's one of the things the coaches, people ask me a lot of time about coaches and I look at like attitude by the good the good players on the team you can see when they have a comfort zone with their coach uh, because there, there's a there's a there's a leash there so to speak you know like it's like oh I took a bad one and you'll see a good player look over at their coach and go my bad mm-hmm. you know and then but the, but they don't get pulled out of the game because you know because the, the coach is smart enough to know this guy's a good player and, and I think Segerson is that way and I, and I think the Van Work people are all that way and I sure think the Ottawa Glendorf contingent of coaches that we went against were always that yeah. way and I think that's a compliment to the coaches because it's one thing to get you know motivate your kids but to keep your good kids motivated and have them engaged to have the bet when they're they got a target on their back it's an art and, yeah. and i think dave sweet did a great job with that with his players tyson mclaughlin probably tell you the same thing and he's had great success as a high school coach but he was a great high school player and mm. a really good college player yeah, at Finley sure. as well so you know the dna in that town is outstanding in my opinion uh ottawa glandorf is who i'm speaking about right now yeah uh very good so we talked a little bit about your early years and then the formative years as you're coming up uh, along with the tip-off classic some of the coaches let's talk about some of the players and we, we got about uh, 10 minutes left here at, at, uh, in this podcast. It's Matt Childers and Coach Chris Adams with the Limeland Hoops and History podcast. Um, there's been five Mr. Basketballs. Mm-hmm. You start with Greg Simpson, he had two. You had Aaron Hutchins, 
you had Jamar Butler, and then you had Xavier Simpson. Give me just a just a sentence on each one of them. A sentence on each one of them? Uh, okay, and, and you and I have bantered this before in other basketball uh, Yeah, we've uh, had it on the radio. You're on, on the on the radio. Radio. You're on the record as saying Greg Simpson's in the, the all-time greatest Lima Land high school basketball player since I've been in this town in 1985 till, till present. Mm-hmm. And, and high school career basketball, talent-wise, he had the ability to take over a game. It, I mean, I, I just don't think it's surpassed by anybody else. Now, that's, it's really talking to Greg Simpson. Greg Simpson. Yep. Hutchins, huge IQ, high basketball IQ, played with a, a very good patience with the game, had tempo, got other people involved, and he waited till he was needed, and he'd, he'd hit a step-back jumper and stick mm-hmm. it right at the buzzer, right in on you, time and time again. Uh, he had a, just a really nice knack for the game of basketball and patience. Uh, I, I say that so much because so many of these young players, even now today, Matt, aren't very patient. They're talented, but without patience. Aaron Hutchins had patience and knew how to win a game and, and dissect the other team's defense mm-hmm. and get the ball to where it needed to be gotten to. Uh, and, and I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for Aaron Hutchins. Uh, Jamar Butler, um, right there with Simpson as far as being one of the tremendous, the most tremendous scores I've ever had to go against as a, as a local coach here. He could score the basketball so many different ways. He had, he had, he could hit the three. He could drive. He could finish. Uh, he just had a whole plethora mm-hmm. of, of of selections of, of of offensive opportunities that were just he created on his own. And he was mind-boggling at what he could do. You know, we, we did all kinds of things to try to trap him and keep him at bay. Uh, but but a tremendous scorer, and you know, and had a good career at Ohio State. Uh, you know, still one of the all-time greats. And and I and I feel bad, that, you know, that I'm putting him there, there just as we go through the category because he he's maybe every bit as dynamic as Greg Simpson was. Mm-hmm. Simpson had a little panage to him that, that Jamar yeah. didn't. But uh, and lastly, Xavier Simpson, who I, I think was one of the, a really good athletic score in high school. And then went to a very good college coach who just totally took his game to another level. Said basically said to Xavier, "This is what you can do, and this is what you can't do. Let's maximize on what you can do. And by the way, let's win the Big Ten championship a couple times yeah. and get to the Final Four. And I think Xavier bought in, and I think that's a good thing to coach Beeline at Michigan, getting Xavier to buy in because Xavier had talent and a skill set that was unique. He wasn't the score of a Jamar Butler or Greg Simpson, but he was the point guard yeah. like them. He could see the floor and, and he probably was a better passer than both those guys other than Aaron Hutchins was awful good as well if you're going to talk about all four of them but you have five Mr. Basketballs from Lima Ohio I little know. Lima Ohio it's just incredible and then you have two other players uh, Travis Walton and then Dakota Mathias who also went to the Big Ten in this same yes. type era uh, what would you say about that? Well, first of all, Travis Walton was more of a defense a- a- expertise. Perfect uh, for Michigan State, right? Yeah, yeah who, and he fell right into Izzo's system. You know, a lockdown defender, especially to two guard. He could guard a one, two, or three, mm-hmm. and really, put, he had that body with the with the low center of gravity. He could sit down and really make it difficult for the point to wing entry, or he could hawk the ball and jump in the yeah. lane that way. So he he had that things there. He couldn't score like these other people we're talking about at, at the rate that they could, though. Dakota Mathias, though, has emerged in in. in without a doubt that the, the, the 
one of the top five all-time greatest high school players in Lima Land history, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Not trying to let the listening audience think I'm biased because he's an Elida kid. Kirk Lehman and, said he was the greatest WBL player, and he's been watching it since the early 70s. And, and, and that says a lot, because Kirk, Kirk's a, a very knowledgeable coach, coach a very successful yep. you know, a very successful coach. But Dakota, you know, could do a lot of different things. But Dakota could pass the ball like 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 Xavier and uh, Aaron Hutchins. That's what sort of makes those three different to the two scores. Yeah, but he was six five. Uh, yes, he was six which five, which is very helpful. And he and he could score, but he had a great career produced. So we've really summed up. You know, those are those are seven basketball players. <laughs> You're five, six basketball players, and I can and, throw in three more. You can win and, some games. I was going to say, and there's incredible yeah. players. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we uh, we can we can go down that uh, avenue down the road, but. Uh, those I wanted to touch on. Um, we'll have to do this uh, podcast in two segments. I'll have to get to UNOH in the next segment. Uh, uh, but uh, I wanted to congratulate you. April 25th, you're going to be going into the Ohio Basketball Coaches Hall of Fame. Uh, Well-deserved. Limeland basketball would not be the same without you and your presence here coming here in 1985. Uh, and you go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, April 25th. What does that mean to you? It means a lot to me, Matt. I, I appreciate the kind words you just mentioned there because I was flattered. I really, it was something way on the back burner after I left Elida, you know, to go into the college scene, you know, the the, the um, accolades that come with, you know, being a, a coach of the year in the league or, or in the District 8 or whatever. You know, that, that, that was almost a long time ago for me. All of a sudden, this opportunity came up and uh, I was flattered and uh, and uh, I can't I, I, I can't wait to tell my friends who elected me into that thing thank you uh, for the opportunity though those were those were great years uh, between 1981 and 2006 mm -hmm. where it was just a great run of a really bunch of good basketball people and the last thing I want to say this is a history about Northwest Ohio basketball but this area is especially uh, it's got just has a special place in my heart Matt because I, I have uh, been a basketball person through and through from day one. With the kid in the driveway that would shovel snow and and and, and, and shoot in the cold, to, to high school basketball, going you know playing at some really legendary high schools and be having the opportunity to be around really good coaches in high school and in college at Wittenberg, and you know just to come up here and then you know basically it was tough for a while because nobody wanted to like you because you could actually beat them. Then all of a sudden being embraced and saying hey you know the, the, we appreciate your program. And, and, and yeah. what you're doing there. So it's been a it's been a great story and something I'll never forget. And my family's been a part of it, and I know they will never forget it either. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, very good, Coach. Uh, always a pleasure to have you, not only uh, on the podcast but uh, as a friend uh, and somebody that uh, I've learned a lot about uh, a lot of, a lot of basketball a lot uh, through you. Uh, this is the inaugural tip-off show for Lima Land Hoops and History. And David Letterman had Bill Murray on his first show ever, and I've had you on my first podcast ever. It's been a pleasure. I wish you well. Part two, we'll end up talking about UNOH and your decision to come to college and be in the collegiate level uh, coaching here at UNOH. Uh, we'll do that on the next podcast. Look forward to it. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it, Coach.